Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's Archive Edition, we grab some popcorn and speak to actors Maxine Peake and Tony Pitts about their 2017 cinema collaboration. In this, Maxine Peake plays Funny Cow, a woman who wants to make people laugh, someone who refuses to give up on her dreams. If this does get made and I get to play the part, then I could happily retire. You know, it's, it's a dream role. I've never said to anybody I'm going to write for you. Until that point, I'd never had, had felt that urge at all, but I, um, I did within minutes of sitting next to her and I wanted to write for her. In Funny Cow, Tony Pitts is the writer, Adrian Shergold directs and Maxine Peake stars. The film is the fictional tale of a woman who dreams of making people laugh in the unforgiving northern comedy circuit of the 70s and 80s. Alongside Maxine, the cast includes Tony Pitts as her husband, Paddy Considine as her boyfriend, Alan Armstrong as a tragic comedian and her mentor, and Lindsay Coulson as Funny Cow's bitter mum. Believe me. How very nice it is to be here this evening. But then again, I'm from Rotherham, so it's um, it's nice to be anywhere. One of the UK's most well-respected actors, Maxine Peake, has appeared in TV roles such as Dinner Ladies, Silk, Shameless and Black Mirror, and her theatre work includes Shakespeare's Hamlet. Around the time of the film release, I met up with Tony and Maxine to discuss this very personal project and film. Maxine takes me back a decade to where she and Tony met, and this particular project began. Yeah, me, Tony and myself were working on um, the Red Riding trilogy in 1980 mm. with Paddy Considine as well, who's in the film. And, and we all sort of started a friendship then, didn't we, really? Yeah, the um, kind of friendship. The kind of friendship, yeah. See the uh, well, personal resentment. But yeah, I think that's a basis for, for all the best friendships. friendships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. And Tony came up to me and said, I'd like to write something for you. Have we got any ideas? What, what, what have you got a burning desire to do? Mm. And I'd said, well, I'd always had sort of this idea in the back of my mind about a woman rising through the ranks in the working men's mm. club circuit. And Tony said, I know that world. I used to run comedy clubs and I've sort of cited Marty Kane as somebody I was a big fan of and, and was an influence. And so Tony sort of went, right, great, thanks, went off and came back <laughs> about two weeks later with this amazing script. Had you written much before that? Was that was yeah, that- no, I've always written. I've, I'd written I, uh, in the wilderness years when I, I, I was a boy actor, I was in Emmerdale, and then I couldn't get arrested for about six or seven years. And so I, my days were spent uh, writing... Uh, endless plays and scripts and poetry and uh, with never with the 
intention of showing it anyone really yeah i've always written and then i i, I write um a lot for radio uh, radio 4 then i've written I've written for TV. So, no, this is my first uh, first film. And, Maxine, from your point of view, what's it like when someone writes for you? I mean, that, that's a pretty amazing yeah, yeah. compliment. It was extraordinary, and I always remember saying to Tony, as, you know, over the years, I mean, it's taken us since then to get this film made, and all credit to our wonderful producer, Kevin Proctor, mm. um, who really wouldn't struggled. Say no answer, wouldn't say no for an answer. But, yeah... I always used to say, didn't you, if, I, if this, this does get made and I get to, to play the part, then I could happily retire. You know, it's, it's a dream role, really. Yeah, so Tony's sure. hoping I will retire now <laughs> and probably not the only one out there. But, um, there's a chorus. There's a chorus. There's, there's a, a chorus of an, an, an invisible, invisible chorus of disapproval chorus, yeah, right. saying, yeah, That's thank enough. God for that. That yeah. is about time. Sit down. But, yeah, and the thing with Tony is... He writes it, but all the time we're having conversations and he's asking me. Sometimes I think, why is he asking me this? And he starts asking me about stuff and I'll be jabbering around. What, what would he ask you? Well, I remember he was sort of asking me about, you know, because I'd sort of said one of the, the reasons as well, I wanted to explore what it was like for a woman in that period. But I'd always really, deep down, my burning ambition, which I couldn't quite admit to, was to be a comic. I wanted to be a stand-up when I was from sort of nine, ten, that's what I wanted to do because a friend of mine, Vicky, said, you know what you should be? You should be a comic. And I was telling Tony this and then there's that's a speech, there. yeah, that's that's in there. So he just take those because he knew that would resonate with yeah. me. I won't do what you do. All right. Yeah, I saw you at club at Crooks Club. Oh, did you? Yeah. I want to do what you do. I want to make people laugh. I won't bother... Waste of time. Why'd you say that, it in? I'm funny. Oh, you love. That's good. I am. I doubt it. It's not a job for a woman. Why do you think all comics are blokes, love? I'll tell you why. Because women aren't funny. Don't know why, but they're just not. You're not funny. No. And Tony, were there many women comedians coming through that circuit? No, no, they were very... Uh, I, I mean, there, there has always been female comedians, going back to the music halls and and wartime, but they are noticeable by the... because there's the rarity. There'd be two or three. I mean, at that time, I remember Marty, I remember Faith Brown, I remember Janet Brown... But they were a very, you know, a, a very small community of women that performed. So, no, I didn't re- uh, do research because I wasn't really writing from that point of view. I was writing from the point of view of my instinctual understanding of Maxine as a human being, I think, was more what I thought I could see in her that I could see in myself. So, yeah, it's... I'm sure it's not an original thought. So films are... Two things, aren't they? There's a story of the film and then there's actually what the film's about and mm. what the film's actually about. I think Maxine and I share at a, at a quite a deep level is have been cuckoos, really. I've been uh, never quite belonging to any... Uh, or over-investing and think, oh, these are my people, I belong with this lot, and then thinking, actually, I kind of don't, really. So that's what guided most of it. Most of it was, uh, I think Maxine's very vivid to me as a, as a human being. I could see, uh, I've never said to anybody, I'm going to write for you. I'd never, until that point, I'd never had, had felt that urge at all. But I, um, I did within 
minutes of sitting next to her and I wanted to write for her. Maxine, this might be a, a jump, but it's interesting the comedian sort of hardening herself, sort of defending herself and the armour. That reminds me of Shakespeare, which obviously you've done a lot of, that, like, that idea of dehumanising of masculinity and femininity. Yeah, and... Yeah, it was really interesting because probably about two, no, maybe about four years ago, we did a little, we filmed a little sort of vignette for the film. It was Tony directed it, and it was obviously to put out, try and get funding, but Mm. it was well to give us a bit of a dry run to see, you know, how we'd get on. And we went to the comedy store in London for the day, and I did some material that Tony'd Mm. written. And at the end of it, Tony went, oh, God, you went really masculine, didn't you? You went really hard, quite aggressive on the front foot. And I did, and I felt this sort of, Yeah. yeah. So it is that, but it's about putting armour. And then sometimes I, I, it is interesting because you think, oh, masculine, what does that mean if a woman becomes mm. hard? Does she become masculine? Is that, mm. I, don't, I, I don't quite like that terminology because mm. I don't, masculine and feminine, what does, if a man's mm. feminine, what is it? What, it mm. shouldn't, they shouldn't belong to, uh, mm. something is not just, a, belongs to one gender. Mm. But, um, but unfortunately we're in a world that, you know. Um, so it was about, but how she has to survive. It is, you have to be, it's that being one of the lads, isn't it, I suppose. Yeah. Well, and nothing's then, any, sorry, sir, nothing's, no, no, nothing's yeah. any one thing, is it? That's the thing, there's, it's nonsense. You, there's, it's, things are complicated. You know, you were just, you are, you were given templates as children, you were given templates of masculinity and femininity. The de- decades that we cover, mm. those lines were very clear. And the, the template for masculinity was very narrow, as was the template for femininity. And, um, you don't have to have much of a personality to be considered uh, difficult or or any amount of names. Oh, I'm Angus. This is my bookshop, sir. I do, Angus. What do you like? Like. To read. What, what do you like to, to read? Um, seeker after knowledge, me. Uh, that's good. Like that. I've only just started mine, Summer. I'm a new seeker. Well, I'm an ardent champion of the new seeker, so... Oh, that's good. Would you like to go out for a drink? Oh, no. That's interesting in the film because obviously the, the sort of the, the hardships and the violence, the funny cow experiences with her, with her husband, and you know with other people. Oh. That that's that's about putting her in her lane, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah well, it is, and that's the fear, isn't it? Mm. People are frightened of her because they know she wants to break out, and she's not playing to the rules. Mm. So she, you know, it's about sort of panel beating her into submission. It's about you will know your place, and because she's a threat. She, yeah. she's posed as a threat and that's what happens in those situations those relationships and it is as much about her sort of emancipation as well as it is about what the problems within society and those cultural mm. you know the you know the time where it's set for the men as well it's about the men are to, fearful yeah. too the men the men's the, the husband's acting out of fear he's, he's trying to bash a compliant yeah. because yeah. he's fearful of losing it's you can yeah. the two driving forces are fear and love and uh you tr- he's trying to beat her complaint. He's trying to beat because he knows he knows that she's. Uh, and when she says, "I'm not going to take it anymore," he's tr- he's drunk himself to yeah. a standstill. It's interesting because the humour in this film doesn't come from always the obvious places. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about Alan Armstrong as uh, Lenny, who is just amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were two. Um, um, so it's essentially a film with friends. I think just what everybody you see on screen are friends of Maxine and, and, and mine, uh, and the only two that weren't known to us. I didn't know Alan and I didn't know Lindsay Coulson, uh, who plays Funny Cow's mum later on. 
And I think both of them were a real revelation to me. Extraordinary, I think, performances from both of them. We all know Alan is an, you know, yeah. an amazing, not just screen actor, but classical actor, mm. you know. But And Lindsay, I even, you know, I remember when she was, even in EastEnders, everyone used to say she's got something really special. You know, she really has. She's got a humanity and a, mm. a, a rawness and a depth. And, depth yeah, and, and, and just as well, she's what I'm not, I hate when I was oh, she was amazing, but a fantastic human being yeah. she is to boot. So yeah. it was a bit of yeah, an honour. Yeah, and when yeah. you get to meet those people on jobs, because it was friends yeah. and it's great, but then it's always nice as well when you make a new friend and yeah. hopefully that's so with, with Lindsay, I'd say just for film fans, if people are, or, or if people are going to see the film, if you watch the scene at the end, there's a scene a sort of reconciliation between her and her mum or at least an acknowledgement of each other and it's a tearful scene a, a heaving sobbing scene and watching it back I only realised on the second viewing that actually she hadn't actually written the words that I'd said she'd just made the sounds of those words really? it's extraordinary if you watch it it's absolutely extraordinary yeah what's his name? don't matter Bob. It's Bob. And you and Bob, do you, do you get on? Do you make you laugh? Oh, I. He's hysterical. You're being sarcastic, right? Do you love him? No, of course not. Does he? What? Not me about. Yeah, he does. Happy now. Happy? Why on earth would I be happy to hear that? Well, you can be my rescue, can't you? Play at Shining Nights. I'm a damsel in this dress. Anyway, it don't matter. Who took your self-esteem from you? You have very low self-esteem. Nobody took it. I handed it over of my own volition. I'm going to admit something now, and you can look at me in shock, but I've, I've never been in a working man's club. Not, not shock, not shock, so that's an exaggeration. exaggeration. But, but what's interesting from my point of view is that I've only ever seen it on screen. Or So I'm interested to ask you, what's it actually like? I mean... Like that? Yeah. It's like that. It's like, it's like that on the... I think we've talked a lot about it for both of us, that... Um, it, there is a there was a glamour as a child Maxine in Manchester me in Sheffield industrial cities work a day you know and then on Saturday night I remember the doors opening on our street and couples coming out dressed up to go to the workingmen's club and they'd come home full of beer and giddy and tell me about the, what the turns you'd seen and it seemed to me as a young child it's almost like a cathedral almost like a, mm. an, an impossibly glamorous place and then and I think because we, we use those places that we used in the film the, the locations are actually still functioning working man's club so n not much uh, set dressing needed the pervading atmosphere is captured in there that's as I remember it Maxine on stage it's a bear pit yeah, no, definitely. And we did, we were very lucky because we, we did, I think we had the best bunch of sporting artists on that job. No, incredible. Who were so yeah, committed, were, yeah. you know, and yeah. and really went for it. You know, and if you've got to sit there all day and watch somebody do the same act over and over again and the support, and they knew it was hard for me, it's the first time I'd done it. And yeah. they were just 
behind me. You well, know, they were so important in that film throughout. They were so sort of dedicated. Yeah, I mean, a lot, well, a lot of them, a lot of them were my uh, like. I uh, had a lot of family members or lads from the gyms that I used to know, and as a writer and and watching Maxine up there, I had a real sense of the because Maxine has got that thing that good comedians have because it's walking on to love. The great ones walk on to love, and the great ones actually don't care. And Maxine's got a little bit of both of that, those things in her, and the I could, the support that she got was, yeah, yeah, fabulous. We don't always see the audience, though. That's quite interesting in this film. Yeah. I mean, the first, you know, in the opening of the film, there was no audience when it's the latter sort of stand-up, when mm. she's she's achieved her fame. You know, there was there was nobody in there. And that was the hardest, actually, because yeah. there was no audience. There was no feedback. And I found that quite difficult. And I remember because scheduling and one of the actors' availabilities, they sort of went, sorry, but we're going to have to do that right at the beginning of the shoot now. And I was like, I'm not ready. I need to warm up. <laughs> and it was but five times sort of, longer than, I mean, I wrote... You kept rewriting it rewriting I rewrote it. huge amounts of... Of, uh, that the routine, the actual comedy routine that Maxine did was something like eight pages, wasn't it? And the, please don't send me any more. Please stop doing any more. I mean, but I suppose the beauty with I didn't say to Tony, look, I know that. So what you do with the beauty of it, and to make it your own, is go. You know the joke. You know the story of the joke. You know the punchline. So I didn't learn it word for word. I just went. Just, this is the joke, and then you you, you just you, need to know. Yeah. It. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know the punch, so that made it a lot you easier. You can have a wonder around until yeah. you until yeah. you get land on the punchline. That's what yeah. the great ones do. Either so so yeah. Know where your punchline is, and then you just you can wander around, and that any time you want to drop it, bang. you're on the yeah. bang it, and then you. Could you talk a little bit about the structure of the film? I mean, obviously that's relevant to you. But no, no, that, that's great. I mean, that's what I really enjoyed about the film. Yeah. It never went where exactly I was expecting. It was because at first people went, "Oh, it jumps all over the place." You know, when they read the script, I'm like, "That's yeah. brilliant." Do you remember Piaf? Yeah. That sort of went, didn't it? it? Had that beautiful, and that's what I loved about it. That's why it makes it like yeah. a, a, you know, it's like some epic poem because it just mm. you don't need. Why does everything have to be told A to B? Yeah. But um, we, we must admit, Adrian Shergold, we've got to mention. Who's the fabulous director of the film? Did uh, beyond fabulous. He, yeah, beyond fabulous. He then beyond, did yeah. film it as you know. We shot yeah. it, and then he did he sort of made his own. Yeah, yeah he moved, made a moved, movement with where, it, didn't he? Where it, he yeah. needed to move stuff, he moved it. I, but I think tradition hinders progress, and I, I didn't feel burdened by a need to. I felt unburdened by a need to do a linear narrative. I don't think that's. I just wrote what I felt as I felt it, and then sort of handed it over to Adrian and said. You know. It's a series of experiences, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes moments that form, not, formative, yeah. formative if moments. Want, in. If it was linear, then it it would just be, an, you know, it just end up being another film about yeah. somebody's, you know, yeah. and you think we've seen yeah. it, but yeah. the way it is, it, yeah. it's something. Uh, and everything I write, I'm afraid, does tend to be the a little bit like that, it, yeah. a little bit like that's that. You. That's, that's you. Yeah. Hey, no, have any of you read any of them lonely arts adverts in paper? Lying bastards, aren't they? Curvy. Fat twat. <laughs> Cuddly. Fatter twat. Thanks to Maxine and Tony for speaking to me. With Funny Cow, they've created a compelling exploration of our need to love and laugh. Much recommended. I'm Ben Eshmaid. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. It's here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on ACAST, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.